Okay, it's the Chance of Gaming Podcast, episode 53, and with me always is Richard Roy. Good evening, everyone. This is Rich. Hey, howdy, hey, this is Roy from Michigan, where it's actually hot here, and uh, apparently the rest of the country, too. The Arctic North. Yeah. <laughs> yep. The, the, the polar bears are beginning to unfreeze. They're emerging from their dens. <laughs> and where, where is Richard from? That's what I don't, I don't get. Where's he from? St. Louis, Missouri. Uh-huh. Right there, smack dab in the middle of everything. Home of Anheuser-Busch and uh, the St. Louis Cardinals. Well, okay. Yeah. Anheuser-Busch lives in Belgium now, I think. Oh, all right. <laughs> but, yeah, InBev bought AB a while ago, but AB is still here, yeah. Look, yeah, yeah we're, we're old enough to remember those commercials that were always tagged with, you know, Anheuser-Busch, St. Louis, Missouri. So... You know, I went to the uh, and, and took a tour there. Like I've done it a few times, taking a uh, brewery tour, and uh, they have a very nice beer tent where they have live music and all kinds of stuff. And you can get stuff besides Budweiser there. They have like some IPAs and you know things that are a little huh. bit more interesting if you're a more of a, 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 a snobbish beer drinker. Yeah, it's weird because I've I've lived in St. Louis for 47 years and I have never done the AB tour. Um, ah. I've done Schlafly tour, but I've never done the AB tour. I'm sorry, the what tour? Schlafly. Like Phyllis? No. Well, <laughs> so actually, <laughs> interestingly enough, I think they are related distantly. Oh, really? Okay. Uh-huh. And, and she actually sued the brewery a few years ago to try to get them to change their name. Oh. And like, no, it's our name too. <laughs> and she lost, of course. Huh. But yeah, no, well, Schlafly is a, it's a smaller brewery here in St. Louis and makes much better beer, in my opinion, than AB does. Yeah. Schlafly. I'm with you. Schlafly. C-H-S-C-H-L-A-F-E-L-Y, I think. And Phyllis Schlafly, boys and girls, is the name <laughs> of a very super duper conservative lady and family. And she was one of the. Um, the drivers behind the defeat of the Equal Rights Amendment. So you you ladies that are making 70 cents on the dollar for every dollar that, man, that men make, thank her. All right. So I'm sure, I'm sure she's been thanked plenty so, of times. So one, <laughs> one point for her in defense is I Google Schlafly. 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 She's uh-huh. like the first thing that pops up before the beer. So there's that. And then uh, the other thing I would have you know, I do another uh, radio show, music related, and um, I end up playing a lot of, uh, just because of how it's done, uh, Anita Bryant uh, mm-hmm. songs. The, the Orange Juice Lady. Yes, yes, the Orange Juice Lady, who does not like the homosexuals. So Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, if you're really familiar with Outlaw Country, you know David Allen Coe. And yes. he, he did the song Fuck Anita Bryant. Um, so <laughs> there you go. So it was really weird for me to like, I'm playing these songs by Anita Bryant. And I'm like, okay, is this the same one? I'm like, oh, yes, yes, it is. It is the same one. So, um, yeah. So anyway, so I had not heard of Phyllis Schlafly, but uh, Schlafly, whatever. And um, Schlafly, I do not believe we actually have that beer here in Mississippi because things are so tightly controlled here. Yeah, I don't know how widespread the distribution is, but it, it's good beer, and they got they got a lot of different stuff. So that's oh, all right. Yeah, it's good. So um, I've been definitely my my favorite St. Louis brewery. Ah. <laughs> okay. All right. So Howard uh, Roy, you had something to say? 
Oh, uh, I was going to say, I've been drinking uh, Terrapin beer here lately from Athens, Georgia. The Hopsecutioner is pretty good. Oh, yeah. Uh, my brother was a big fan of that. Um, oh, okay. When uh, the whole revol- the craft brew revolution happened. You know, ah. that that was one that was really big. Because, like, here in Mississippi, we couldn't get anything. We couldn't get beer that was over, like, uh, 4.8% alcohol. So there was all this stuff that we couldn't get. And so my brother lived in Florida, and he would send me all these different beers that he really oh. liked. So all right, I'm really I gotta excited. say that the Terrapin Hop Executioner sounds like an anthropomorphic mini that Adam would play in a game. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, yeah. It it actually has the, like this. Uh, I want to say it doesn't have. It has a turtle on the front. Yeah, I, I don't think he has a scythe, but he probably should. <laughs> I'll link this in the show notes so you guys can see. I know. Look, history on the table isn't talking about beer. I promise you. So there you go. I don't think we did last. I, they, I, they, I don't they, think they did last. Time. They, no. yeah. <laughs> with uh, Roger. What yeah. Was it? yeah. Roger Trapier is over Tr- on Trich oh. Trapier. Yeah, Trich Trapier <laughs> is over there. Yeah. Who's also from St. Louis? Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> so, uh, I'm trying to look. what have we got on here? Roy, I'm honestly very excited to hear about Toy Story, obstacles and adventures. So I had talked about this before. This is a um, so there's the the Harry Potter game that's a co-op game where you're you're presented with obstacles that you have to like deal so many hits against or whatever to overcome it. And every time, every turn, it does something bad to you until you get rid of it. But you're not so, talking not the Battle of Hogwarts. This is a different no. This one, is right? uh, yeah no. Uh, it's like a, a, uh, a Oh, not the shoot. one that you and I played at the con, right? No, I think it is the one that you and I played. Oh, is it? Okay. Yes. So Toy Story is it's a Toy Story reskin of this very same game. So it's very similar, although there are some differences. And it plays through a campaign from one to seven games, and each one gets progressively harder. Um, okay. So, like, I played uh, um, uh, Buzz Lightyear, and my wife played Rex, and we uh, um, we... Well, we finally beat the game. The, so the games four and five are just a little bit different than uh, anything that Harry Potter has had. Um, and the fifth game was super hard because, like, every turn I had to... Of course, you only have a health of ten. You have to take two two damage and discard a card. So, like, at the start of your turn, your hand is, like, severely nerfed, and you don't really have a whole lot of... Uh, stuff you can do and so you got to kind of try to overcome that so anyway toy story obstacles and adventures we've been uh, um, enjoying that that whole idea of kind of reskinning these things i think is interesting because uh just recently my my two daughters the two that live still live at home they like playing um the thanos game what's it yep. called? rise of thanos yeah and uh my little one my 10 year old she goes you know what I'll bet we could make that into a Harry Potter game. I want to invent that game. And I'm like, I think that's already been done. So we looked it up. And yeah, sure it is. There's a, there's a skin. But there's several skins for that same game. And it looks like this one as well. And um, I wonder, I guess Munchkin's probably the obvious answer. But what game has the most skins on it, if you want to call it that? Uh, you know, there's like... A hundred versions of Munchkin? <laughs> Dice Mon- Masters? Monopoly. Dice Masters? Monopoly, yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah, that's yeah. true, because they got one for, like, every city and every college, and, yeah. So I did see that um, 
somebody made on Reddit, and I'm looking for it. I can't find it. They made a Star Wars reskin of this Toy Story Harry Potter game, and it's okay. like it's it's all homebrew, but it looks like spot on production. So um, yeah, it's, I and I don't know if the uh, if that's uh, you know if their files are available for for download, but that looked kind of fun. Hmm. So, what else you've been but, playing? Uh, then, so I'm still playing on Board Game Arena. We have not started our uh, Friday game nights yet, so we're doing them all online. So I've been playing uh, Rallyman GT on Board Game Arena, which is a I played that. I liked it. Yeah, it's a dice rolling game. Uh, there's a, a pressure luck kind of thing. So you um, you decide like how many dice you're going to spend per turn. And if you ever roll three cautions, then you've spun out or hit a wall or, or done something like that. So you can choose to roll the dice one at a time. And as long as you don't get three of the um, of the, the caution symbols, then you're good. You can kind of go wherever you want to. But as soon as you, you hit the third one, then you're out. So um, you can roll the dice one at a time. You can roll them all at once. And you get a little, uh, little buff for th- rolling them all at once. Um, so anyway, yes, uh, Rallyman GT is a little racing game. And then I played uh, Race for the Galaxy, which is an old card game that I haven't played in quite a while. And it kind of took me a little bit to kind of get back in the swing of things. Um, so it's a game that's kind of the same. Uh, it's a role selection game like uh, like San Juan or Puerto Rico. And really, I think that uh, San Juan is really kind of a, a, a simplified version of Roll for the Galaxy. So if you're interested in, in these role selection games, I would say that San Juan would be maybe the first game you'd want to try out. And then Race for the Galaxy is a very complex game where you're settling worlds and then uh, producing goods on worlds and then shipping them, shipping them either for more cards or for points. Um, so there's a big kind of an interconnected web of how the different cards all work together and what they do. And I found that the, one of the biggest um, obstacles to playing this game is all the terminology, all the symbols and everything. So uh, playing it on Board Game Arena, if you have the hover text, you can you can hover over a card, and it tells you in plain English what it does, where you don't have to you know, decipher all the little symbols that they've come up with. Uh, nice. so yeah. And so that's Race for the Galaxy. And then finally, I've been playing, I've been role-playing a little bit over uh, Messenger. So I, there was a, our, our regular group, the uh, DM is selling his house, so he has to do, do all that stuff where you have to, you know, like, paint everything and get it ready to sell. And so he's like, I, you know, I got to kind of drop out a little bit. So I said, well, you know, I could run something. So I just, I only got response from two uh, players. So I thought, well, hey, let's just kind of do a little narrative kind of text thing. Um because I had run this particular adventure before, and I, I didn't do it as well as I'd wanted to because I didn't, I, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of dedicated to my my railroad track, so I need to like step back, and when somebody wants to kind of steer off the off the railroad off the rails, I need to let them. Did you uh, write the adventure? Yeah, yeah, I did. Oh yeah, yeah. Usually that's more of a problem when the D the DM writes his own. <laughs> mm, yeah. Because you feel like it's your story rather than just a book you picked up or something. Yeah. 
So uh, that's and I've only done just a little bit of that where I've kind of narrated the setting and and kind of rolled with with what's going on. And neither of the players have rolled characters yet. I said, you know, I may ask you to make a roll, or you just may decide whether it, it succeeds or not. We're just going to kind of just play this. It's more of a pass the stick kind of thing, and a uh, I don't know. I guess an improv exercise. So are you playing? live or just like people put in stuff and then kind of like over the forum where people get back to it and stuff like that it's it's more of the uh, people get back to it so like um, okay. i and the players don't have character names yet either so i just been in, been identifying them by their 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 personal names you know when i say shannon this is your situation uh this is you know what you're being expected of you and then, you know, I'll flip to the other player and, and say, well, hey, this is what we're doing here. So, and uh, um, the second player, I kind of, on the fly, made up a backstory for him. And I said, is this cool? And, you know, do you need to retcon any of this or anything? He said, no, this is great. Um, and so from me narrating the his backstory, he added more elements into it. Um, and... Uh, I don't know. I like the idea of it of it being just kind of a uh, developing backstory, being an organic kind of kind of thing that that would happen just through role playing rather than some one person writing something out. It kind of maybe would make it a little bit more three dimensional. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure I've played some other stuff here lately. Um, I played a game called Heckmeck Barbecue with my wife last night. It's a um, it's a pressure luck kind of game. And, you know, when we're talking about the, um, uh, oh, what am I going to say? The coffee shop games. Right. So, right, uh, right. We played out on the deck, you know, in the, in the, uh, twilight and, uh, with dice and things that don't blow away so well. So, um, yeah, pressure luck games we've been playing quite a few of. And it was called Heck Mech Barbecue? Yeah, here I could. I will I will edit as uh, <laughs> okay. as you as you go forward with your thing. Yeah, yeah. I actually got to in the three weeks since we've recorded. I have played three different types of games. Isn't that crazy? Who would have thought? Me. Wow. Of all people, it's nuts. Um, I've got there's a couple of guys locally that are Flames of War diehards. After everybody else gave up on it, uh, we're still holding on and buying. And so we got together and played. Uh, my only thing is I am terrible with like trying to teach someone how to play a game. Completely, utterly useless. You know, it's like, okay, I know to do this at this point, but I don't know what page of the rule book says I can do this. So I, I feel bad, and it makes me, you know, it's just awkward, I don't like it, and just, ah, yeah, anyway. I've never looked at the rule book for Flames of War Bolt Action or anything like that. The only time I've ever played, I literally had someone just kind of showing me how to play. But um, how how intense is the rule book? Is it is it pretty straightforward, or do you have to jump into it a lot and find out how stuff happens? Let's say on a scale from Connect Four to Advanced Squad Leader. <laughs> I would, that's, that's our official scale now. Yeah, I, w- I would rank it probably... Okay, for Flames of War and, honestly, Bolt Action, I'd rank it around a four, I think. Four or five. 
Okay. Probably more of a four, I really think. Because to me, it's just, it's really, they're really, really simple. It it doesn't have a lot of, like, okay, you know, the Italians have this extra, you know, whatever. Or this particular division of Italians has this special rule that does this. There's not a lot of that. You know, it's, I certainly would rank both of them as less complex than, like, 40K or Age of Sigmar. So uh, I really think they're really approachable and really easy to to get down and play. I think you know. Okay. So yeah, and, yeah. Uh, bolt action. It has. I mean, a bunch of people have jumped in with both feet, and uh, the only thing kind of slowing us down now is people don't have their stuff put together yet. Uh, unfortunately, one kid was like actually had a real big problem. How does bolt action come in the box? Um, it's to it's me on sprues. Yes, it's on sprues, and to okay. me, it, it's done like 40k. So you have this unit, or you know, individual squad, whatever it is, and you have options in the box of what you can do with it. So, you know, what they tell you is, you know, we'll build your army list and then put your figures together. But like I was talking to a guy yesterday, he was like, eh, I don't want to do that. I'm just putting together what's cool. And I'll just uh, fix it later down the road, have to buy more figures, whatever. That's just how I'm doing. So that kind of thing happens. So you're like, well, I'm going to give all these guys, you know, bolt-action rifles and a couple flamethrowers. And then you find out, well, you couldn't do that. So, you know, you need to put a minesweeper or grenade launcher or whatever it is in there. And so... It just gives you options, different heads and stuff like that. And, you know, a lot of these guys are coming in. They don't, they either don't know what to do or they just like, well, I'm familiar with World War II and I really like this gun or that helmet or whatever. So I'm going to do a bunch of guys like this. So a lot of that's going on now. That's fine. I mean, it's, I really think it's, it's cheap to buy in. You can literally buy an entire army. Like, uh, their armies are a thousand points is tournament size. You can get the retail on a thousand point army is 150 bucks. That's, I mean, that is insanely cheap compared to like games workshop. So yeah. When you say compared to games workshop though. (laughs) Yeah, I know it it is. I mean, because compared to Legion, I mean, I don't know. It's probably comparable to Legion. I think you could get it a Legion a little cheaper than that, especially if you're willing to split a core set with someone. Maybe. All right. You say that. You say that, Rich, but I had I to... I know. Legion's hard to find, though. I too. had to buy, um, a, like, a $20 box of Rebel Operatives just to get the stupid uh, Rebel Officer out of it. And then I was like, $20 for a Rebel of- uh, Officer, a uh, comms guy, and R5-D4. You know, an R5 astromech unit. And... Yeah, you get a, oh, yeah. Meta bot too. The, yeah, the medical bot. So that's like four four things that are basically five, yeah, but, $5 a piece. Yeah, but you don't have to have those things either. I mean, so here's here's my basic rebel list. I've got Leia and Chewie. Now, both of those you have to buy separately. So maybe 15 bucks each. Six full sets of troopers. Which, because I split a core set with someone, that's enough from two core sets. 
And then I've got two Tauntauns, which are like 20 bucks each. So I don't know. Maybe that's close to 150 but... All right. So let, let's go ahead and let's talk about Star Wars Legion. Because <laughs> I played in the tournament yesterday, and uh, now I know how to play Star Wars Legion. I did not know <laughs> how to do it before the tournament. And it was really, really weird. Because, okay, I'm a huge proponent of, do you not know how to play <laughs> insert game here? Well, sign up for a tournament and just go from there. Because, uh, I mean, you get, like, for me, it was four games. Four games from, like, I went, we went from, like, 1 p.m. to almost 10 to about 9 o'clock. Four games. Don't worry out. <laughs> And uh, it was, there were an hour and a half, it was the skirmish, you know, uh, whatever, 500 points, and yeah, I finally figured it out, I finally know it all, and uh, yeah, I'm better for it. I came in next to last, but you know what, that's okay. I honestly believe I should have won my first game, but obviously I did not know what I was doing, and I almost won my second one. And then it was on my fourth one. I got a buy, so that's the only reason I didn't end up dead last. So, so yeah, I learned a lot, and uh, maybe think about how I want to put my rebels together. And um, yeah, I know the meta had been for like the past year or so since the end of last year. You know, tauntauns are scary. Mm -hmm. I faced them like one time, and like unloaded every fucking thing I had on them and killed them. Because I was that scared of them. Because everybody was like, oh my god, Tauntauns are so scary, look out. And Yeah, they get a lot of different, you know, they get a lot of different tokens for, for not many actions. So, uh, they're not... I, I would say, what's his name? Uh, I faced him in two games. Uh, the guy from, um, damn it, uh, Rogue One, Cassian? Oh, Cassian Andor? Yeah, 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 yeah. I haven't actually He's seen him good. yet because he came out after the pandemic started well he is the tits i have to say is he yeah <laughs> he yeah he could do some stuff although uh just for He's an unlimited sniper yeah it's really crazy and uh i did manage to almost kill him he was on top of a building and i had an atrt there and i was like you know what fuck it this thing is expert climber i'm gonna climb the building and fight him in hand to hand Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's what I did, and I almost killed him. So, uh -huh. Robot shit. So, there you go. And, uh, yeah. So, um, yeah. Uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. So, how did I spin you out? Okay, okay, okay. All right, guys. All right. Because <laughs> I, I, I don't, okay, it's important to know. It's like, I don't know what I'm doing. I have never, you know, I'd only played Legion like once or twice. That was at least over a year ago. So I'm getting ready for this tournament. I'm putting my, my little guys together and all this stuff. And so I go into, like, Richard Roy's little group text. And I'm like, hey, guys, I'm putting this stuff together. I don't understand command cards. And Roy's like, okay, this is what you got to do. You know, you always take the, um, what is the, the big one? Standing orders. Yeah, standing orders. And he's like, you just need two each of the other ones. And that. Which is 100% correct. That is true. <laughs> but, but technically not true. Okay. Well, you, you can't have duplicate cards on those. 
So in, oh, okay. in in playing the guy I did first on the last turn, I play an assault, which is a one pip, you know, thing. And he was like, "How are you doing that? You've already played assault." And I'm like, "Oh, oh I see, yeah." And I'm like, "Um, uh, er, uh, um, I, I, I don't know." And so they call the judge over and all this stuff, which is fine. The the judge is a friend of mine. And I'm like, Bill, you know, <laughs> and I'm like, Bill, you know, I don't oh, know. Oh, this guy can do what I want. I'm like, I'm like, you know, I don't know what I'm doing here. So, <laughs> and so I put all my cards I throw out. myself on the mercy of the court. Yeah. And so I put all my cards out and he goes, he was like, well, he was like, yes and no. You know how you got your things. I'm like, you're fielding the rebel officer. You should take the officer's cards. In fact, it would benefit you if you had them in there. And I was like, oh, um. I didn't know that. So, and I'm like, I'm like, okay, okay, regardless what he's arguing is, you know, I, at this point, I would still have a one pip thing to do, and that's all I want to do. And he's like, okay, well, that makes sense. That's fair. But yeah, technically, you need to fix your cards before the next round. And so I, oh yeah, not to mention, it was like, I go, I got there like 45 minutes early and had to buy the, you know, the rebel officer put him together because the whole thing was like no proxies no proxies no proxy cards no proxy figures so uh yeah so i put him together and then i had to go back out in my car and get the cards and uh yeah and go forth from there so that's how roy almost ruined me okay. almost destroyed it cost me the 60 dollar uh thing the win for it Oh, man. Uh, now, right. now, we had uh 11 guys show up for this tournament uh Two, I think about four from out of town, and uh, it was really nice. And uh, our tables look good. If you follow me on Twitter at Chance of Gaming, uh, I posted pictures, video, and uh, different stuff of what we had. It was a really good store. I really, really appreciate the store that we go to, which is Vans Comics and Cards in Ridgeland, Mississippi. They do 100% payout for tournaments, and mm -hmm. it's not always that way in Mississippi and you know in other parts of the country in the world whatever a lot of times the store will want to keep a cut so what they do for us is they do a hundred percent payout and then the people that own it also own the Papa John's in the area so we get free lunch free dinner wow nice so yeah for 15 bucks so, it's really good so how do they make their bones then just on on model sales and sodas yeah Can I guess I mean okay. I, I mean, I came in and I was, you know, I bought beer, I bought soda, I bought water, you know, I don't know, just whatever, just, you know, mm -hmm. hey, this is a cool place, buy your board games here, buy your figures, buy your comics, whatever you want to do. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's, uh, because they own the Papa John's and they have a lot of money, uh, they have been able to buy a lot of Golden Age comics that are sitting in there. It's really neat. They got a first appearance of Thor, graded. It's graded 1.0, but even at 1.0, that thing is still worth $3,000. Holy cow. Yeah, wow. so, so it's just fascinating to me. Because I always joke, I'm like, I'm going to buy that, but I'm going to bring it in in cash in a Little Caesars box and see if you'll take it. <laughs> and the guy that runs it, Travis, he's like, I would take it. He's like, but the guy that owns it, he said he probably wouldn't. <laughs> you know, you son of a bitch! Yeah, you get like, that out of here. It's like, yeah, get that, get that shit out of here. No, no little Caesars <laughs> allowed. So, I don't know. So it was great, and so now I have learned so much on how things are done and how I want to actually build my rebels. And there's something. Oh yeah, okay. 
I will say, you know, they came out with this new way to play Legion, this 500-point skirmish thing. I don't think it's ethically good to allow tanks in 500 points. Yep, I hear you. Uh, look, several guys brought them. And How much is it? Like a couple hundred points? No, they're they're like 200 and something points. I mean, okay, granted, yes, they are a hundred and around 150. But like what the guys were fielding yesterday, they were 200 and something points. They were literally half their army in tanks. And man, I look, I struggled. I in one round, one round of shooting that stupid clone tank uh, obliterated an entire squad of my um, rebels. Just poof. Mm-hmm. Just poof, just like that, gone. I mean, it was ridiculous. And so I go online trying to think about it and how do how do rebels deal with tanks? And they're like, look, rebels should just move around from cover to cover and play the objective. Do not engage the tanks. You don't really have anything that can deal with it. Just ignore them because mm-hmm. they're only one move, you know, per turn. So that whole thing was interesting to me. The way you actually pull, you know, the the command the tokens out of the bag, mm-hmm. which is how bolt action works. Only it's both of you share a bag. Oh, okay. Oh yeah. So you could have two two activations in a row compared to your. You could do Roy. You could have four or five activations in a row. Oh yikes! All right. Yeah, there's no rule that stops it. It's literally it's whatever the dice comes out is the next person mm-hmm. that goes. Now you got to mm-hmm. think if you go three turns in a row, you've re- literally increased the chances of your opponent is going to get to go three turns in a row at some point. Yeah. So, All right. Yeah. But anyway, it was uh, interesting. I I like it, and I'm probably going to make my way out there this Thursday to try and play again. And uh, yeah, that was Star Wars Legion. So um. So what was the uh, you know, safety stuff like? What do you mean safety? Matt- Oh. Mask cleaning he, and none of that. Ah, <laughs> eh, okay. I mean, that's that's a good point. It was like me. One other person was wearing a mask, so that's two out of eleven. Um, oh. I mean, here in Mississippi, it's it's divided along number one along political lines. Yep. And number two on um ethnic lines. Generally, you'll see uh, black folks wearing masks because, mm-hmm. uh, at least here in Mississippi, it is dis- disproportionately affecting the black community. So you'll, you know, they seem to be taking things serious and and wearing masks all across all ages, from young to old, you know, male to female, whatever. They seem to be proportionally wearing more masks. Uh, if and. Uh, if you are affluent white folks in Mississippi, you know, you're that Fox News demographic, you're not wearing yeah. one. But a lot of, like, older white folks that are poor will be wearing one, because I guess they're like, oh, we may die. I don't know. It's it's, it's similar around here. It's Look, uh, our state health officer issued a thing, like, last uh, week that was like, look, hellfire and damnation is coming at the end of July if things don't change. And so I know things are not going to change. And so, yeah, our ICU is going to fill up by end of July, and it's, it's going to suck. I mean, it's happening now in Arizona, in Alabama, in Florida. You know, all these things are going because we decided to politicize a fucking pandemic, to mm-hmm. politicize wearing a mask. 
So, uh, yeah. But, you know, on the bright side, Mississippi just changed its flag, so yay. Well, <laughs> one step forward, one step back, because now it says in God we trust. Well, uh, they, I think that will actually go and uh, be on... I think that will be on the ballot this fall. I'm not sure. But, okay, mm-hmm. you know why that managed to be our national motto? If they were actually sued and, and all this stuff, and the judge determined that in God we trust is just something people say. Like when someone sneezes, God bless you. They don't actually mean God bless this person who sneezed. It's just the thing that says, like, you know, when somebody mm-hmm. says thank you, the other person says you're welcome. So that it, they said it's it's become into such connotation that it uh, it does not have a religious connotation. It's past, mm-hmm. but whatever. That's just how it was ruled. So there you but, go. Yeah, I guess kudos to you for changing your flag. So yeah. uh, what is it? The is it going to go back to the magnolia flag? I don't know. Look, we had this whole thing with a tennis flag, you know, and that's been the big thing. And then other people have wanted to do this. Look, my idea for a Mississippi flag was it's you take the Gatson flag. That's the don't tread on me. Yeah. You take that one as a beginning. All right. You have the snake wrapping around a bottle of Oxycontin. <laughs> and the okay. te- the text should read, don't educate me. That is my idea for a Mississippi flag. It were it's absolutely perfect. Coming from a certain um, uh, uh, viewpoint. Yes, you, I can tell. Yeah, don't educate me. There you go. So anyway, so uh, the Steam sales going on. Steam summer sale. Have you guys bought anything? Uh, actually, I bought out of the park baseball because apparently that might be the only way I get to see baseball this year. What is, what is that? What is out of the park baseball? It's a game. So I, um, I actually played it. It's been around forever because I used to play it a long time ago. But it's it's a baseball game where you don't, you're not. It's not like an action game. You play the manager and the general manager. So it was on sale and I picked that one up. Okay. So can like think? Can you have like a uh, steroid controversy or anything like that? Is is that an event that pops in or? I hope so. Okay. Yeah, yeah that'd be awesome. <laughs> you well, know, Steam is not really my thing, actually. I mean, it should it should be, and I've played with like uh, Kerbal Space Program, which is kind of fun to fiddle around with. But I don't know. That's I don't really do the Steam sale or anything with Steam. Okay. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, honestly, I go back and forth. I'll like get into a you know, a mode or mood or whatever that I, I get into PC gaming. I mean, honestly, it's kind of like it goes from a release usually, like some really cool game that hasn't come out on consoles and it's just come out on that, and I'll be like, oh, okay, so I'll get more into it. Mm-hmm. So, but with Steam sales, I'm only looking to impulse buy stuff that is like 90% off. And uh, stuff I wish listed for that's fifty percent off or better. So, mm-hmm. and I've got nothing so far. I've been currently playing Control on the PS4, and it's pretty awesome. It's really, really weird. Very um, Call of Cthulhu, Cold War kind of weird, but I like it. Anyway, so uh, the other thing I got in from MMP, 
in that last sale that they had, I got in Operation Mercury, The Invasion of Crete. What can you tell me about this game, Richard, that I purchased? <laughs> so I assume you haven't opened yours up yet either. No, uh, I haven't. So it's, it's Grand Tactical Series. Um, it's it's a big one. It's very detailed. I haven't opened mine up yet. It's, it's still in the shrink. But uh, just for those of you who don't know about this, and the sale might still be going on. I can't remember. Um, it's like a hundred and what seventy dollar game that they were selling for forty five bucks or something. Yeah. So, along with a bunch of other games that they had some pretty deep discounts on as well. So, um, yeah, it's the Invasion of Crete, which I have zero games on. So I thought that was a, a pretty cool, uh, pretty cool thing to look at. Um, so yeah, I don't know that much about it either. I haven't opened mine up yet, but make sure you've got a lot of table space. I assume there's some smaller scenarios in there though. So. You know, there's probably some scenarios where you can do like maybe just the uh, just the airborne landing or just who knows, yeah, defend the airport or something like that. Now, if I remember my history, and uh, please don't angrily email me after this, um, the invasion <laughs> of Crete was the only thing that the Fallschirmjägers, which were the German paratroopers, actually parachuted on, at least in mass past that they were just kind of used as elite troops and you know whatever but uh, if I remember it correctly because uh, at one point I owned the Avalon Hill uh, Invasion of Crete game what was that as I live Google do, do, do. Avalon Hill <laughs> on his keyboard from the 1950s I know um, <laughs> is this one? Oh. Air Assault on Crete. I should have known that. Also came with Invasion of Malta in 1942. And this was from 1977, designed by Randall C. Reed, artist Roger B. McGowan. Which reminds me, Richard, I asked for a, you know, a self-portrait from Roger McGowan, you know, as part of yeah. my order, you know, as a centaur, but <laughs> I didn't get it. So there you go. That's a shame. I know. I'm maybe, sorry to hear maybe, that. Maybe one day. Sure, that's very disappointing for mm -hmm. you. But, of course, that was a, uh, Air Assault on Crete slash Invasion of Malta was a much smaller game than Operation Mercury. This, yeah, looking at the pictures of Board Game Geek, and I'll have this leaked in the uh, show notes, it looks, it's a monster game. It looks really freaking big. And I know the uh, the box is definitely big and heavy itself, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot in there. I'm looking forward to playing it. I'm not sure when I will get to it, but it's something that's on my list anyway, just because I don't have any GTS games, so. It looked interesting, definitely at that price. Grand tactical, like I said, I you you got to teach me how to play it. We'll hop on like Skype or something, and you can yeah. show me. I know like my friend Chris is interested, and yeah. So, are you planning on coming to Kansas City if it <sighs> still happens? I'm planning. I'm planning. I haven't got a hotel room yet, yeah. but I'm planning. Yeah, maybe we can play it there. Yeah, definitely planning. So uh, the only other thing was I picked up a copy of D6. Dungeons, Dudes, Dames, Danger, Dice, and Dragons uh, from my local company, which is Certifiable Studios. Follow me on Twitter. I went by and picked this up. I actually have a friend of mine uh, does their uh, social media, and so I and my wife was actually in the Kickstarter video for this as an actress, and, and so this has kind of been on my radar forever. I didn't back it on uh, Kickstarter because I figured it would make it to, you know, um, 
miniature market and whatnot, and it was only afterward they were like, um, no, we, 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 we're not planning on that. So they're like, if we, we got a few copies we'll have ourselves to sell, and so if you want one, just let me know. And so, yeah, that's how I got it. So I didn't know if hmm. you guys were familiar with this. Um, yeah, it's a enormous box. I, I posted it on pictures. It's huge, it's heavy, and uh, it's got... Jesse LeBabe is the, um, I'm probably mutilating his name, is the artist on it. And uh, all the Certifiable Studios has that look. And I really like that look that he does. And uh, yeah. So I don't know how this plays. And I hope to get it to the table this year. Certifiable is a really interesting company. It's basically two guys. It's Anthony and Jesse decided to form a gaming company and like gosh i think it was 10 or 15 years ago they did a little card game and it's just kind of gone from there but yeah like this and the one or two i think you'll know certifiable mostly for i think it's who goes there was their biggest hit and uh yeah uh, oh yeah may, maybe stuffed but yeah um who goes there and d6 were both over a million dollar kickstarters so just kind of neat that we have this company right here in Mississippi. And honestly, it's, it, they're literally like 15 minutes from my house. And their studio, I posted a ton of pictures and whatever from Twitter. And uh, it's crazy just how it's decorated and stuff. I mean, think about like, you know, how a man cave would be. But what if you had, you know, a building the size of a gymnasium with multiple rooms that you could, you know, decorate as in a geeky way? It's every time you turn around the corner, it's, it's something cool. I think when I was there last time, they had a display of, you know, the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon from the 80s? Yes. Oh, sure. Well, somebody did a really nice version of statues of them all together as like kind of a diorama almost. They had that on mm -hmm. display. It's just neat. Cool. Or you'll go around the corner and there's this classic uh, board game is out on display or whatever. So it's just neat to me. Like I said, so yeah, go ahead. I was just saying, it uh, seems to be available from the website. Yes, yeah, you can get it through them, through Certifiable. But uh, uh -huh. I, I see a board game geek. Holy shit, is it going for money? Uh, it's listed on eBay for two forty nine, and of course, I don't know which version. It's like you can get just the base set, which was like eighty five, and then like what I bought was just for over a hundred. It comes with the expansion. And then, of course, mm -hmm. past that, it's all fiddly bits. You know, it's it's coins and cloth maps and horse shit that I'm not interested in. So, <laughs> uh -huh. I, I was like, no, 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 no. I'm like, I'll just, I'll take the expansion and hopefully it's cool. So, there you go. So, yeah, if you're listening to this and you fucking love Certifiable Studios, drop me a line at chanceofgaming at gmail.com. And with that, like, you know, push, I would happily go down there. They'll... You know, I've talked to them several times. You know, I can interview, I can shoot video, whatever, you know, you want. Because they're right here in my backyard. It's my, my only, you know, gaming company. It's not like I have, like, GMT or whatever. Can you imagine, Rich? GMT's there, and, like, I'm banned from the building for, you know, <laughs> bugging Roger McGowan about, you know, you know, being a centaur and stuff. So, yeah, that'd be a whole thing. Where even is GMT? Are they in Philadelphia or somewhere? Uh, somewhere on the East Coast. I... I can't. I want to say Connecticut, but that might be wrong. Somewhere on the East Coast. But yeah, they've got a West Coast. They've got East Coast and a West Coast location, I think. Because they do that. Maybe, maybe it's just two warehouses, but I think their offices are East Coast. 
Yeah, they do that thing where um, they like open their warehouse for gaming or whatever, right? Right, and they have an east and a west, yeah. That's cool. So, yeah. If I did that, I'd be there. So Anyway, so um, that's all I have. What you got, Rich? Well, not too much new, actually. Um, same stuff I've been talking about. Well, no, that's not true. Um, I've been playing Red Storm Baltic Approaches, uh, so that's not even released yet. That's an expansion to uh, the Red Storm game, but I've been playing that on Vassal. We're playtesting it. Um, I think we're in our... I think we're in our third scenario now, maybe our second, I can't remember, but playing a game now where I've got just tons and tons of planes coming in, trying to bomb his naval fleet, and he's going to have a ton of SAMs to send at me, so it's going to get real messy here in a hurry, but it'll be fun. And then um, I started playing Empire of the Sun, which is a, a Mark Herman game, another GMT game. Uh, I've had it, I think I got it in the GMT sale last year and hadn't really played it yet. I've, I kind of got it out, read the rules and pushed encounters around, but um, I'm really getting into it now. I'm playing against someone. I've played some games solo against the, the bot that's included in the game, and it's interesting. Um, I want to play some complete games before I really say how I feel about it. I, I think I like it, but there's also an aspect to it that in some ways it feels more like a puzzle than a game, if you know what I mean. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. We'll see. Um, it's it's good. It's definitely worth playing. Um, I'm not sure that I like it as much as everyone else seems to. Hmm. But I'm early on in it, so we'll see how it goes. Well, what does everyone else like about it? Um it's it's it has some really interesting systems to it um so and part of this is the reason i say it feels more like a puzzle than a game so the game is is based around using air units and that means ground-based air as well as carriers to protect project zones of influence over parts of the pacific to protect supply lanes and shipping lanes and allow your guys to react to enemy offensives and stuff like that. So um, this is where there's actually a pretty big difference between the board game and the game on Vassal. Because on the board game, you know, you've got to look at all your counters and everything, and you've got to make sure you know where all your air units and carriers are and sort of imagine a two-hex circle around them where they're projecting their air influence. And then if, if Allied Air and Japanese Air both have influence in the same hex, they, they cancel each other out, basically. So there's a lot of trying to figure out where you can move that doesn't go into enemy air control, which on the Vassal module is amazing because you click a button, it shows these red and uh, blue circles everywhere, and you can literally see everywhere that you can go. And it almost looks like, oh, there's a little maze, and I've got a corridor here that I can mm -hmm. go through. Um, and there's some cool stuff, like the carriers, you know, they carry their air with them, so they can sort of push a hole through as they go. Um, and there's a lot of really cool ways to move guys around. But like I said, often it feels more like a puzzle than a game. So um, I don't know. We'll see. In, in any case, to answer your question, though, what what do people like about it? I guess it's just it's an interesting Pacific game. It's a you know it's a strategic level Pacific game. Although I don't know that I would call it strategic. I think I'd call it grand operational because you don't get to decide when stuff comes. 
And to me, that's the difference between strategic and operations. In the operations, you're concerned about supply, and that's probably the main concern in this game. So I'd call this an operational game for the entire Pacific War. All right, look, my only question is, is there a counter for Christian Bale? There is not. I okay. think that's definitely something that was missing. But I think the game did come out before uh, he was... Uh, the original game... I want to say it came out in like 2005 or something, and then they what? reprinted it in like 2015. So maybe the reprint should have had it. Okay, You're referring yeah. to the movie, apparently, yes. son, right? All right, the, the male... The, 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 when the, he was about 12. Yeah, the movie was in 87, so... Oh, okay. Oh, so okay. If, I, if I buy this game from GMT, I'm like, oh, this is a board game based on the movie. So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to be my little guy, and I get left behind by my parents, and I'm just going to have to make my way through, you know, China and Thailand and whatnot, and John Malkovich is there. It's a whole thing. Yeah. But, I don't think they have a Ben Affleck counter for the Pearl Harbor raid either, uh, so. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's definitely a mess. Yeah, yeah. They should they should fix that. I don't know. Yeah. The, the interesting thing I think about this as I play this game, though, is – more than any other game I can think of, this one is improved by Vassal. So Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely... Most games I would rather play on cardboard. This one I think I'd rather play on Vassal. All right. And then I've been playing more Gloomhaven. That's really the only... I mean, my, I play it with my daughters. The, the only face-to-face game I have is with a couple of friends and we play on Tuesdays and we just started back up face-to-face a week or two ago but nothing else is face-to-face at all so Gloomhaven's really the only one we've got going there and we've pretty much actually both groups have finished the main campaign and one group is moving on to Forgotten Circles and me and my daughters were deciding whether we want to start over but Frosthaven's going to come out before too long so we'll have more to do pretty soon Now I will say in the aforementioned um Steam Summer Sale, Gloomhaven, the digital version, is on sale for $18.74. That's 25% off its retail price of $24.99. So. Correct. And it will teach you kind of the mechanics of Gloomhaven, but it's still early access, so really it's just kind of some random scenarios and stuff. It doesn't have the campaign mode. They keep adding more and more to it, but it's not... It's not really like playing the board game Gloomhaven yet. It's a, a tech demo? I mean, I would say it's more than that. Oh, okay. Um, they have started adding some of the upgrades to it, but the main thing is, like, the main story is not in there yet. So. Mm, okay. Yeah. Now, uh, they've got Terraform. And involved. I don't think they have online. I don't think they have multiplayer yet either. I was going to say they have uh, Terraforming, Terraforming Mars on sale for nine ninety nine. Is that worth it? I have never played that game. I know oh, it's, really. I know oh. it's real popular. Yeah, I have several times. What do you think, Roy? Is it is ten bucks worth it? Um, you know, if the interface is good, then yeah. Like I've I've only played it on cardboard, hmm. but it's um, it's a card driven game. Like each, every card is unique. So like um, I hear it uh, Wingspan compared to Terraforming Mars a lot. Really. Um. Okay. Where it's your it's an engine building kind of thing, um, so yeah, like each card is unique, and you're trying to build up symbols that allow you to build other buildings, and you're uh, placing forests and cities on Mars. Um, yeah, it's I mean it's 
But of course, it's not the sort of future that will actually come to pass. But it kind of it feels almost tangible, you know, as far as in the theming, like it could happen. Okay. Right. Yeah, I've heard but, good things about it, and I've yeah. heard the expansions add a lot to it. So I've never played in the expansions. There's several expansions for it now. So. Uh huh. Uh huh. All right. And well, then outside the realm of board games, honestly, what I've been playing most the last couple of weeks is I've been playing Xbox with my girls. So um, we just it's it's funny because I, I won an Xbox in a raffle last winter and I played it a little bit, but just never really got into it that much. And then I guess just last Sunday on Father's Day, we we're just kind of sitting around. It was hot. And we we're tired. And we're like, hey, let's fire up the Xbox. So. Um, yeah, we've been playing the Star Wars Battlefront game, and then we've been playing uh, Worms, which is a game that I used to play with my father. So it's it's a it's a fun little game. You've got these worms, and they throw grenades and missiles and stuff at each other, and you try to kill them. <laughs> yes, it's 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 a cute game. Um, but I used to play it a lot with my dad on the computer, so that's kind of why we played that one on Father's Day. Look, it's it's absolutely awesome. I love yeah, that. It's a good game. And I want to say, Dad Gum, I think the first uh game i played with worms was the genesis or if not that it had to be like the saturn or the dreamcast something like that yeah and i loved it i, I played on pc with my dad i tried yeah. i tried to introduce it to my kids about a month or so ago and they were like <laughs> they were like meh and i'm like come on this is fun you know it's, yeah. it's, it's literally you know two sides and you know you can move around You've got a bazooka, or a mortar, airstrike, machine gun, whatever, and it's just funny, and it's fun, and yeah, but anyway, I love Battlefront 2, by the way, absolutely loved it. Um, Yeah, I'm terrible at it, but we've been playing it a lot, well, just this week, because we just got that one last week, and I'm, but it's fun. And man, we're trying to actually play the shooters rather than because the lightsaber, you know, you just go in and it feels like you just hit the button as many times as you can. But when you play the guys with the guns, it feels like you need a little bit of skill. And uh, I've got to say, you know, um, the last Star Wars game that came out, um, I think that was one of the best ones I've ever seen. Um, what was the name of Jedi that? Jedi Fallen Order. Yes, it's so good. I, I've got that one, and I started playing it, but I haven't made it through through it yet. I, but Battlefront 2 actually also has a campaign mode in it, which I didn't realize, but it's got, and actually it's got a character that's in Legion now, uh, Iden Versio. Oh, she's got oh, a yeah. as well. She's a TIE pilot, right? Well, no, she, she looks like it, but she's Special Forces. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yes. And then, since we're talking about Star Wars video games, the reason we got into this in the first place is because Star Wars has a game call it coming out called, I think, Squadrons, but yeah. it's basically the modern version of X-Wing versus TIE Fighter. Oh, all right. Yeah. Played the hell out of that back in the day. I know. I, I think everyone did. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can't even begin to explain to people what that was like when they came out with that. You know, just yeah. like, holy shit, you know, when X-Wing came out, and then it was, what, X-Wing 2, and then X-Wing versus... Uh, sorry, X-Wing 2 was TIE Fighter, and then X-Wing versus TIE Fighter. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that was the first one I played was X-Wing versus TIE Fighter. It was so awesome, you know, to be able to do this. And to this day, I can still remember, like, strategies I had to do. Like, uh, there was one where the, uh, the astromechs went rogue, 
and they were stealing the rebel stuff. You had to stop them. So what I decided to do was hit hit them with proton torpedoes. Just bam, one time. Disable, you know, the shields enough and stuff for me to catch them and whatever. I, I just remember yeah. that. How so if you're that? a fan of X-Wing versus TIE Fighter, go to YouTube, type in Star Wars Squadrons, and your jaw will drop. Because when you think about what it used out. to look like and what it's going to look like in a month or two when it comes out, uh-huh. it's just unbelievable. Wow. I mean, the stuff... I mean, honestly, I remember like the small advances in video games from when I was a kid to when I was a teenager and young adult. And I remember at the time thinking, wow, this is amazing. And now it's just, it's just unbelievable. I remember when that stand up uh, arcade game blew my mind with the trench run. And Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Let yeah. Go yeah. Luke. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. can actually get a uh, version of that now for about two, 300 bucks. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. Uh, it, it, look, they had me up until this shitty, shitty game called Rebel Assault. And I absolutely struggled because the controls on it were just utter garbage. And I'll link that in the show notes. And, uh, yeah, so there you go. So from what I wanna... heard, when Battlefront 2 came out, there were a lot of problems with it and a lot of people didn't like it. But I think they fixed a lot of that. And I mean, I'm not competitive. I'm not going to join one of those online things and, you know, win the match for anyone or anything. I just want to play at home with my kids. So it's it's fun for us. So whether it's actually good as far as a competitive online game, I don't know. And I don't really care. Mm-hmm. I can't keep up with the, the reflexes of an 11 year old. <laughs> I think the problem with uh, Battlefront 2 was it did not have a campaign, and or that oh, was okay. Battlefront 1, and then they added one, and whatever. Anyway. Which reminds <laughs> me, all this talk of Star Wars reminds me that we have a sponsor. This is Mike over at AlterDementia.com. And oh, I thought you were going to say LucasArts for a second. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're, they're, they sponsor <laughs> us. They absolutely do. And... Um, so, and uh, I know locally my guys are talking about expanding our Star Wars Legion stuff and getting, and our, the guy that we normally rely on for 3D printing, the printer is down, broken, whatever. So if you need a place to go, you can go to AlterDementia.com. You can use the discount code COG2019 and save 20% off your order. And he can print whatever you've got STL-wise, and then past that, you know, he's got his own stuff. He's got licenses for this, that, and the other. So there you go. Yep. Link you either, either need to use his licenses or have a license for what it is you want to print. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I was, like, looking earlier on Etsy for some, um, you know, I, I was looking for a tray to carry all my crap around for Legion mm-hmm. in a tournament. Because I have those mm-hmm. for, um, you know, X-Wing and whatnot. And there were a couple of places that were like, well, we'll sell you the STL files. And I'm like, well, that's good, because I have a guy, and he'll take care of that. And uh, so, there you go. It's AlterDementia.com. I'll have it linked in the show notes, so there you go. All right. So, the next thing we have, Roy's got a movie review. And again, like, I Tyra Banks, that whole <laughs> last one he did. And, okay, okay, this that's the sucky thing is, is like, this next review he's talking about, I've seen this movie... Have you? I, I All like, right. Yes, I liked okay. it and everything. So, but I'm just gonna stay well, out of it. So, I, so the last I'm, one. I'm I, still over too, so I'm just gonna wait for Adam to interrupt. Okay. <laughs> so we're gonna talk about a movie that's available on Amazon Prime called The Vast of Night. 
and this is a new movie, so we're going to be we're going to be spoiler light here on this. So The Vast of Night is a 2019 movie. It came out um, oh, it's so it was filmed in 2019. It was it was released on May 29th uh, in drive-in movie theaters. So the first of all, I want to talk about the uh, the beginning of this film. It is very much modeled on like the Twilight Zone or the Outer Limits. So the the opening shot is um, in somebody's living room, and it focuses in on the television where a black and white show is, is showing something called Paradox Theater. And so we go from black and white to color, and then we're in the film. And so this movie is set in New Mexico, and it's the like a Friday night. It's the opening night of the basketball game or the basketball season. Uh, so it's set in 1958, and the the period is it's atmospheric i think um and i was uh reading the wikipedia article they looked all over uh the place for a place to film this this film and uh the basketball court they they inked out the three-point line because it was not a thing in 1958 um so anyway we have we have two characters we have everett and faye so everett is the uh dj in town and he's a cool cat and then uh, Faye is a switchboard operator. They're both in high school, but they have, you know, they have jobs. And so she works the switchboard, and he's the DJ. And she kind of fawns over him uh, because he's so cool. So um, she has a new tape recorder, and they're talking about how to to uh, uh, use the tape tape recorder because she wants to get involved in broadcasting, and Everett's the guy that knows how to do it. So they talk about all kinds of things like they talk about the future a lot. Um, well, they talk about, you know, voice navigation. Well, someday we'll have voice navigation. And and uh, uh, Everett says, well, I don't really think that that's actually going to be a thing. Um, but anyway, so the components of this film, it's really just Everett and Faye. But there's some other characters I want to talk about. And there's a, one particular camera shot that I thought was awesome. So uh, Faye is working at the switchboard, and she starts to hear noises come over the um, the phone lines. And she keeps getting all of these uh, call-ins of something in the sky. And so she starts talking to Everett. And Everett uh, is a little bit of a sleuth, and they start trying to figure out what's going on. So this film, to me... It feels like it was written by H.P. Lovecraft. It has very much of a, of a Lovecraftian feel to it. Uh, in the way we get, or in the course of the film, we meet, uh, just by voice, we meet a man by the name of Billy who tells a very harrowing story about uh, what he thinks might be going on. And then we meet a very creepy lady by the name of Mabel, who's an old shut-in, and she has quite the story to tell. Um, but... Um, so I want to talk about this camera shot that I thought was really awesome. So Everett is going to, uh, he's going to check up on some things, and Faye is going to have a cigarette. She's only 16, but, you know, it's the 50s, and that's what she did. So she uh, opens the door, and she's smoking her cigarette. And this camera shot, have you guys seen um, various uh, films where like they have a long uninterrupted camera shot where it's just a long pan. Like, it, I think it's called a Boogie. tracking shot. Is it? Okay. Yep. Uh, Boogie Nights, I think starts with that where the camera goes into the, 
uh, employee entrance and through the kitchen and eventually up onto the stage. And it's uh, oh, and Goodfellas I think starts that way too. If or you, has a scene if, like oh, that. Yeah, if yeah you, when they go through the back entrance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this one in the vast of night, uh, it goes out into the street and through the darkened street, and eventually it goes into the basketball court where the basketball game is going on and swirls around there a little bit and goes up through the audience and then it goes out a window and then eventually it centers on Everett who is um, out the back door of the radio station looking up at the sky. I just thought it was a really cool shot and a very atmospheric for uh, what it was. Um, so anyway, I've, I'm, I'm trying to keep this spoiler free. Um, so I guess in in uh, closing, the vast of night is features nobody I've ever heard before. Um, it's all new new actors, and it's loosely based on some UFO incidents. Um, and so it's available on Amazon Prime. So if you're into science fiction, which I'm guessing our listeners are at least a little bit into that, uh, check it out. I, okay, I will say, as I jump in, ah, make it about me. Oh, uh, yeah, go for it. Um, 1911, that last movie that came out, it was... 1917. Uh, yeah, that too. That was, <laughs> that was a sequel. I've not seen that one, but I've heard about um, that with the Anyway, um, it was one long tracking shot through the whole movie. It was edited that way, though, or, you know, special mm-hmm. effects, whatever, to make it look that way. But, you know, there you go, so... So there, there's at least one edit that I could kind of barely pick out when they go through the window of the uh, uh, of the the um, basketball gym that I thought that was probably they had made an edit right there. I really dug that movie. I liked it a lot, and uh, yeah, I highly recommend so, it. The only thing I would say was I thought the DJ main character was a little old to be creeping on the 16 year old girl, but you know, mm-hmm. was that... Well, he was maybe 18, 19, maybe? I don't know. I, just looking at it, because he had a job, and because he was smoking, I was like, okay, yep. this dude's like 25, 29, so maybe not. So, I don't know. Well, and they... Eventually, we we figure out that she's 15 or 16, something like that. Yeah. So, so I don't know. That's, that's just kind of what I was thinking. Did it <laughs> did it feel like a Lovecraft story to you? Yes, absolutely. And that okay. you know that's kind of how it was built. And I remember the trailer and being excited that it finally made it to you know came out and liked it. So mm-hmm. there you go. And uh, the old lady Mabel is uh, she's she's kind of unsettling because yes. she tells a story that's as unsettling as uh, as anything else that was told in this in the film. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so yeah, I it's on Amazon Prime. Come on, everybody has an Amazon Prime account, I would think, <laughs> you know, because you're, you're so that's that's the vast of night. Yeah, because you're saving money on shipping, and you know you get and yeah, people often forget that like I'm getting this free two day shipping, but I also get all these awesome videos. And look, I am a huge. I mean, look, if you only have like one uh, other uh, one you know, streaming program mm-hmm. subscription after Netflix, it should be Amazon Prime. Because they get the most coolest garbage, you know, movies ever. It's literally like being back in the eighties. <laughs> like Battle Beyond the Start. Yes, yes. It's like being <laughs> back okay, okay. Better than that, look up Chatterbox. They have that. So there you go. 
I'll link in okay. the show notes. Look up Chatterbox. And um, it's just, it's literally like being in a video store in the 80s, walking around, <laughs> and it's all these crazy B-movie bullshit, whatever. Amazon mm-hmm. loves it. They, they're like, give you know, us all they, of it. Give us what all. else they have that's kind of my guilty pleasure is uh, World War II movies that were made by Russians during the Cold War. Oh, wow. yeah. So they're like, they're like the equivalent of John Wayne movies, except they're all Russian. Hmm. So, but they're they're interesting. I mean, you know, you go into it knowing that it's propaganda, but it's interesting. And they've got a few of those. Oh, and uh, I've been watching the hell out of The Man in the High Castle, too. I have debated on that one, you know. I've seen, so I saw the first season, and I kind of lost interest waiting for the second season to come out. But now, like, the whole series is out, so I'm... I'm I'm wading through that, which was based on a um, Philip K. Dick novel, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah. So, what is your apprehension about it? Uh, I don't know. You know, it's come on. It, we didn't <laughs> we, we didn't win. You know, okay. so it's like we're you know we're going in with that and blah 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 and yeah. So the uh, the character of Frank, Frank Frank, uh, that dude goes through some harrowing experiences in the in the first season so yeah it's that's a hard watch all the stuff that happens to him i mean honestly it it also reminds me a lot of um there was actually a uh episode of actually it was two or three episodes of star trek enterprise where they you know because i mean that happens in star trek it's like you know every 23rd episode you suddenly end up back in time to world war ii mm-hmm. and turns out some aliens are helping out the nazis it's a thing it happens like every 23 episodes <laughs> it's like a legal requirement mm-hmm. and uh yeah reminds me of that so yeah at that point um the nazis had invaded they had won the war in europe conquered britain and had invaded the u.s so you know there you go. So, uh, just interesting. So, uh, it's been on my list, and uh, yeah, I'll get around to that. So, all right, there you go. All right, so on to what's on our radar, and is this really cool World at War Europe game that I'm really hoping still has some time this this Kickstarter? Okay, it doesn't. So hold on, hold on tight, because it, it, there's 63 hours to go as of this recording. So I'll post this tomorrow. So you may have only have two days to back this. You know, they wanted $15,145, and they have barely got $15,307. bucks to spare. Yes. Whew. They barely made it. So, uh, yeah, just going to toss it on here because I really like the components, and it looked kind of nice, and it comes from a uh, Spanish publisher, and uh, yeah, so looks nice. I'm not familiar with this publisher, uh, too much at all. This is from Headquarter, and it was the game designed by Gonzalo Santa Cruz. So, don't know that one. And you know, if, if Rich didn't go, hey, come on, you don't know Gonzalo Santa Cruz? He designed the blah 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 blah. So yeah, you know, it's not yeah. somebody famous. So there you go. No, I saw someone link to this, but I, no, I don't really know much about it. I don't know the company or recognize the guy's name. But we wish you all the luck in the world, Gonzalo. And you know, absolutely. You know, you we made it. You got your fifty bucks. Hopefully, we'll get you another hundred bucks or so, hundred euros. There you go. So anyway, 
So, um, the next thing we uh, had was, look, you know, it, the Civil War is a really big thing down here in the South. There's all these statues and shit everywhere. I had no idea that there was actually a Civil War battle fought in Florida. I didn't know anything about this. This is called the Battle of Alusti. And it was fought in Baker County, Florida on February 20th, 1864. So it was at the tail end of the war. And it was the largest battle fought in Florida in the war. So uh, this is Union General Truman Seymour, who I had never heard of. He landed in Jacksonville and trying to disrupt the Confederate food supply. He met little resistance and headed toward Tallahassee against orders assuming that he would face only the small Florida militia. So Confederates in Charleston, which is a really long, you know, distance away, sent reinforcements, and, uh, yeah. So uh, they didn't conquer Tallahassee. They were repulsed and just occupied Jacksonville to the end of the war. So I only, you know, heard about this because a friend of mine lives in Jacksonville, you know, and now the trendy thing is to take down, you know, the Confederate, racist Confederate statues that were put up during the Civil War, Civil Rights Movement. And uh, my friend in Tallahassee, and sorry, in Jacksonville was like, you know, oh yeah, they're looking at these statues here. And I was like, why the hell do you have a statue in Jacksonville? And he was like, oh, you didn't know? There was a battle fought here. You know, or hereabouts. So, okay. So I was just curious, and I was going to ask Richard, had there been any Florida Civil War games? And if not... None that I know of. I, yeah, none that, none that I know of. All right, this is a perfect opportunity to get one. Uh, Hollandspiel would publish this. Absolutely. Maybe GMT. We could, could come up this with this. the next uh, Great Battles of the American Civil War game. Yeah, there you go. The Battle of Alusti. Alusti, whatever, it, ever how you say it. I don't know. I feel sorry for the people fighting. You know, they're wearing wool, whatever, and they're in Florida, and it's terrible. So, there you go. I'm just going to toss it on here because, I don't know, it's one of those weird things. And, uh, you know, in Mississippi we had Vicksburg, but it really wasn't a battle so much as a siege, and then people just surrendered. So, there's only one or two, you know, Civil War games based on it, but there's some other obscure stuff in Mississippi, that, you know, like B Bryce's Crossroads, and then Battle of Corinth that have been a couple of uh, board games. So you know, I kind of like that. Anyway, so Shiloh's almost in Mississippi. Well, yeah, that's true. It's just over the border, <laughs> and it, it, the Shiloh was a really big thing, really, really big thing that happened after that. Um, I remember my dad uh, always talking about it. He had visited the battlefield like before I was born, and his whole takeaway from it was like, I couldn't believe that many people died on that small part of piece of land. But there you go. So uh, the next thing we had was, thanks to our close personal friend Ryan Hellman, publisher of Brave Little Belgium, I didn't know Strategy and Tactics magazine published a couple of uh, kind of protest, uh, pro-protest uh, games. Chicago, Chicago, and Up Against the Wall, Motherfucker. That was, <laughs> that was the title of the game. And uh, in researching that, it's just utterly fascinating because it was published and um, it has a... Uh, 
I think it's University of Columbia or something like that. It was a kind of a uh, a map of the uh, the the campus at the time. Just really really neat. So, and I can't believe. Look, did you see who's on that? It's uh, Jim Dunnigan. All right, who's Jim Dunnigan? Is that hacksaw oh, Jim Dunnigan? No, who's oh now I'm drawing a blank. This little bald guy with glasses. I see him here. Uh, Jim Dunnigan. What's he done? Um, Panzer Blitz. Yep, Panzer Blitz. Yeah. American Civil War. Battle for Germany. Panzer. The next war. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah, he's a big name. Okay. It's kind of <laughs> cool that he did that. Up. I don't. And he did up against the wall, motherfucker. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and, like, and like I commented on Twitter, I was like, this would be a really good time to you know, republish, reskin this game, whatever. The game was actually, according to Board Game Geek, and I'll have this linked in the show notes, it was a serious attempt to model the situation. Non-war games were never expected to be hits, while most game topics, blah, blah, blah. This was often something like, uh, Dunnigan went on to say he didn't favor the hippies or the cops of the conflict. I was always interested in modeling non-military conflicts. Uh, it's supposed to be a clash between protesters and police in the 1968 Democratic National Convention. So that really makes me highlight, right-click, and see what happened there. I'm sure it was some Nixon shit. And, uh, hmm. Oh, it was crazy. Yeah, I remember seeing that movie on that when I was a kid. It might have been like a made-for-TV movie or something, but... Yeah, 1968 Democratic Convention was insane. Okay, it was Lyndon B. Johnson would not seek re-election, and so they were going for a new presidential nominee. Uh, keynote speaker, blah, blah, blah. Um, I don't know. Uh, okay. Uh, Edward Kennedy was there. It's the only one I recognize. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, yeah. So, I don't know. I'll link it in the show notes. You can figure it out. I don't want to sit here and just try to muddle through it while we're trying to record a show. But, you know. I know, which is strangely out of context for me. But, you know, there you go. Anyway, uh, the next thing we have is something I'm actually really excited about. Um, there is some movement on some 10 millimeter, a 10, mm, 10 millimeter war game called Agritoria. That's and tiny. It is. Yeah, it is. It's uh, five millimeters short than Flames of War, although it's four millimeter higher than six millimeter. So there you go. And... There's your math lesson for the day. I know. How big, how much bigger is it than one millimeter? Uh, nine. Nine millimeters higher than one. Okay, look, look. I don't get this. I see it on Twitter every now and then, but there's this whole group of people that love two millimeter wargaming i'm like i don't get it it's like at this at that point just use counters is that yeah. like company level or something i mean a counter because you're not going to be doing individual units at that point you're going to have a company or a battalion yeah it's whatever something. it is yeah. but to me there's just not enough detail exactly yeah use a counter right it, because it, you're not going to put you're not going to paint blue pants and red jackets on those guys <laughs> i'm gonna put eyeballs on them you know yeah <laughs> I, I don't get it so i'm like really two millimeter i'm like you guys have got much better eyes than me much better eyes i mean i love six millimeter because you, it can be kind of shittily painted but look great 
You know, it's like, oh, yeah, that absolutely looks like a Napoleonic regiment <laughs> marching across. You know, love it. But, uh, two? I don't know. I don't get it. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, there's a guy I follow on Twitter called, um, his account is called God's Own Scale, and it's all about six millimeter gaming. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> I, I get that. You know, I, I could see that. That That's the thing, and whatever. But this is. Agratoria. Yeah, because you know me, I'm terrible at enunciation. And uh, yeah, 10 millimeter, I mean, that's really cool. I really wish, because I, I really think that there's, it, it's a thing that's missing that could be big, is just a small scale fantasy combat. You know, it, it could be a thing, but I don't know. I look forward to kind of following along this. I don't know if they are a U.S. or British thing. Probably British would be my guess. It seems like that's, you know, they do everything over there. Nothing over here. We have, like, weird games and Privature Press, and that's about it. But, you know, I don't know. Maybe if I don't get too lazy or depressed or whatever, I could try to um, interview this guy and see what it is. So, yeah, this could be kind of cool. Anyway. So, the next thing we had on What's On Your Radar was this game that came out in 1980 called NATO Division Commander. And again, designer, Jim Dunnigan. Hacksaw Jim Dunnigan, right here. I had no idea that the professional wrestler was also a board game designer. Yeah, so, (laughs) remember, you get your accurate information here. Not, in between atomic elbow drops. Yes. Not, well, he had the, uh, what was the, the two by four and the American flag. That was like his thing. Remember, your accurate information is here, not at history on the table. So, there you go. So, we're, we're talking professional wrestlers designing board games. So, there you go. You ever heard of this one, Richard, at all? I have not heard of this one, but I've, I'm just so interested in the whole idea of refereed double blind games. Um, you know, and honestly, to be, I, I never really thought about it. I was thinking about it earlier in the year because I wanted to set one up for a wargaming group. And now that I think of it, I'm not, I'm really surprised that we're not seeing more of those since we're all stuck at home anyway, because computers are the perfect way to do those. But That is true. What I liked about, like, how this one is just was just the map where it's divvied up into sections. It's, it's a hex map. However, it is done in grid squares. Yeah. As well. So I really like that. So I don't know. It just seems really neat. I honestly cannot remember like why it popped up. Usually if somebody mentions something on Twitter like, you know, hell yeah, this game came out, but that's kinda cool. But have you heard about this one? It has twelve hundred counters for this game. So I wonder if that kinda counts as a monster game. I guess that really depends on the size of the map more than anything. But, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. I don't know. I, I It's hard to say. I mean, it, I, it could be also because it's a, it, they could have three of everything also if it's a refereed game. That's true. Uh, I have a friend that's real, his big thing is double blind miniature gaming. And be it Battletech, Command Decision, whatever. He really, really likes it. I, I had never even heard of the concept before, um, running into meeting him and uh, it's kind of neat you know you have a i love the idea i mean i'd love to play a kriegspiel sometime is it done that way like with the, like a uh a referee 
Yep, yeah. I mean, I'm sure people have come up with variants for it, but the, the original Creech Spiel is definitely a refereed game. Okay. The next thing we had is The War Without an Enemy, the English Civil War, 1642 to 1646. And this comes from Nuts Publishing. Look, I love that time period, absolutely, and I absolutely love the production value in this game. It has a beautiful um, map and wooden counters and lots of really nice-looking regular counters that you punch out. So, I don't know. It is a nice-looking map. It really is. Um, okay. I think it was it run about uh, 58 euros, which makes it, yeah, I don't know, probably around, probably around 70 bucks. Just under 100 shipped is how I would recommend it, how I would say. So, yeah. Yeah. That is an interesting war, too, where it was the, the king against the parliament. Yeah. I never heard of Nuts Publishing either. Uh, they've done Mini Rogue, which was another Kickstarter. Oh, they did Space Corp. So that's, you know, something. And then uh, they have an interesting looking uh, World War One game. Oh, okay. They're doing the... I think it, it looks like they might be republishing some American yes! stuff in Europe. That's what I'm seeing. Okay. Yeah. All right. But anyway, they do this cool game. If I ever see it cheaply available, I may get it over here. But, you know, I'm all about like, well, should I buy that? Not sure if I have a uh, opponent. And so there you go. So the next thing we have is Lucky Forward, Patton's Third Army in Loreline. Yeah, so this is on my radar right now because I just got charged for it, so it's about to ship to me, uh, Lorraine. So um, just in case Operation Mercury isn't quite big enough for you, there are bigger games out there. This one is the Grand Operational Strategic Series. I think that's what it's called. It's G-O-S-S for sure. There's, I think, four games in the series. There's Atlantic Wall, um, Hurtgen Forest or Hell's Forest, which is Hurtgen. There's Walked on Rhyme, which I don't own, and this is the fourth one. So this is basically after Operation Cobra when they liberated France and then were starting to move toward Germany before the Battle of the Bulge. This takes place in that time period, but it's a it's a very deep, very detailed uh, series and. Um, it's one of those ones that honestly I will probably never get the full game on the table, but even the smaller scenarios are really fun to play. It's it's very deep. Um, it's mostly a solitaire game for me just because it takes so long to play, but it's it's good. I I I've played a little bit of Hurricane Forest. I've played a tiny little bit of Atlantic Wall. So when I saw this one come up for preview or uh, pre-order. I definitely wanted to pick it up, and it looks like it'll be here soon because they just charged me for it. Now, this is coming from Decision Games, and looking Correct. at, at uh, all the BoardGameGeek uh, post listing that I'll have linked in the show notes, it's on the geek market for 135 bucks. So, <laughs> yeah, that it's not, it's not even out yet. Okay. Well, I so mean... Yeah, so they have it marked as a pre-order for CLS games. I don't know, maybe, maybe they've got they got a special deal or something. Cause yeah. I, I paid more than that, but it's it's not even out yet. Oh, you paid more? Yet. Okay, this is yeah a really expensive game. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I mean, with with shipping and everything, I paid more. So. Okay. So uh, yeah. And it's a it's a big game though. All of these games in this series are like 
the size of two game boxes. So they're all they're all really big games. So pre-order price is 176. That's what I'm seeing here. Yeah, I think I. Yeah, that sounds about right. I think I just paid 178, including shipping. So. It's, okay. It's okay, Richard. Your wife's not listening. She doesn't. No, listen she doesn't. She does not listen to this. Trust me. Okay. So. Yeah. <laughs> If, if my wife really wants to hear me talk about board games, she doesn't have to listen to a podcast to do it. <laughs> and believe me, she doesn't. <laughs> it's like, what are you talking about? No. Okay. So, <laughs> wow. All right. So this is like a monster is, uh, game. Or war games, is that your pillow talk? No, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's like. Yeah, well, if by pillow talk you mean make her go to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, All right. hey, hey, baby, let me tell you about like the um, the morale uh, that the Japanese have in ASL. So there you go. Yeah. Did you know that in ASL the U.S. units have lower morale, but when they flip, it's higher. Isn't that awesome? No way! <laughs> oh my gosh! And the British don't cower. It's so great. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Decision. Oh yeah. Lucky Just... Ford. I I will. Uh, if you're interested, I will give you a full recap sometime in the next couple months because I, I can't wait to play that one. That'd be cool. And then you've got uh, Salerno? 40 yeah, there. this one actually just got announced, uh, and it, it hit its P500 mark in, I think, 48 hours. So Mark Simonich, um, who's obviously a huge name, he's got this whole... I call it the Zakbon series. I'd love to actually talk to him sometime and ask him what he calls it because some people call it, like, the Europe 4X series. It's, you know, like... France 40, Ardennes 44, Holland 44, Salerno 43 is the next one coming out. Ukraine uh, 42, or no, not no Ukraine 43 and Stalingrad 42. Um, but yeah, there it's a series of games based on Europe and World War II, and the next one is going to be Salerno 43. Just got announced last week on P500. I'm super excited about it. If you're interested in getting it for its pre-order price which is obviously going to be less than where it's going to be retail. Um, it's 28 bucks on, on the P500 price. So get it. It's going to be good. Okay. And then, then the last one I had on my radar was Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion. Have you guys heard about this? No. Um, so no. you guys obviously know what Gloomhaven is. I don't think either of you have played it, but Gloomhaven is a, a big game. I mean, literally the box is huge. It's heavy. It's got tons of stuff in there. Um, you can usually find it cheaper than this, but retail, it's like 140 bucks. Um, and then they've got the expansion, Frosthaven, which is about to come out. Um, it's, I think it's going to be shipping maybe next month. It's going to start shipping, so we'll be seeing that soon. But sort of in the interim, uh, Isaac Childress, the designer of Gloomhaven, designed sort of like a Gloomhaven light. It's called Jaws of the Lion. It's got fewer characters, fewer things in it the the maps are different um but it's a smaller box i don't know how much it is it's like 40 bucks or something and they're selling it at target yeah i think think we did vaguely talk about this i remember being being on Uh, a shelf at target yeah and one of the interesting things is the maps in front in jaws of the lion are kind of like in stuffed fables or that other series of games where it's a spiral bound book Mm -hmm. you just open to the right page and there's your map Mm-hmm. So setup right. for the game is super fast. It's a lot quicker. Um, if you have ever thought about playing Gloomhaven and it just seemed like too much, I would highly recommend you try Jaws of the Lion and see if you like it. Mm-hmm. So that's out now, but from what I heard, it's being 
snatched up everywhere, kind of like Gloomhaven was. I think it's hard to find a copy of. I didn't look for it because I've already got Gloomhaven. I've got Frosthaven on the way, but um, I would definitely play it if someone else had it. So it says you can port the four new characters into your original Gloomhaven game. Correct, you can. Yep. Yeah, there's some things in Gloomhaven that are not included in this one, like retirement and stuff. But Mm -hmm. from what I hear, you can take one of these characters, get a retirement goal from the original game, and then just play it as you normally would. Hmm. And they come with minis and everything that the minis, um, the, I've seen all of them. They look, you know, about the same as the Gloomhaven minis. The one, the hatchet guy looks really cool. It's a nice looking mini. Well, yeah, it, uh, I continue to be amazed at how expensive and big that, uh, game is. I actually saw some people (laughs) playing it in the local store the other day. And uh, I was like, man, I kind of want to stop and ask, but no, it's it's like, well, you guys seem to be busy, and you know, there's a lot of fiddly bits on the table, and so I don't want to bother. So I've got at least a hundred hours of gameplay out of my copy, though. Not to mention what if I've planned two different campaigns, though. So, eh, you know, it's it's I think it's money well spent. Of course, I just paid one hundred and seventy-eight dollars for a game on Patton's Advance into Lorraine, so. Yeah, and yeah, and here I'm like, man, whoo, this Operation Mercury, that was like 40 bucks, woo. <laughs> All right, so uh, the next thing we have on the news is uh, Constant World was canceled for 2020. Yep. Not That's really. That's a big cancellation for this week. <laughs> not really surprising, and like, you know, I know you mentioned, um, you know, the St. Louis Convention, but golly, it still seems like the You mean the Kansas City one? Yeah, dadgummit. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I get it confused. You know, uh, it's it really does seem like the world is still going to hell in a handbasket with, um, I know, like Arizona, Alabama, Florida, all these places are, like, peeking out when it comes to, um, you know, COVID stuff, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it seems uh, like a lot of the early summer stuff got postponed to early fall. And then the midsummer stuff is getting postponed or canceled or postponed till next year. Um, but even that fall stuff, I mean, I would say any convention at all happening anytime this calendar year, I would put it less than 50%. That's yeah. the way I feel about it. Unless it's in Mississippi and they just don't care. I know. It's, yeah, they don't give a <laughs> shit. Even, even though, like, it's we're, we're spiking, you know, and all this stuff. And, yeah, we'll see. So, uh, I, I don't know. It, I really want to go to that convention. And, like, I, you know, I finally... Yeah, I want you to bring me a copy of OCS. That is true. Well, I'm hoping it, it just goes up in value. And then I'll be like, oh, <laughs> uh, you know, it goes up to, like, $2,000. And then I'm like, I lost it, Richard. Here's your money back. <laughs> yeah. You know, so... Yeah. Uh, so uh, with that, it's it's like I've I've gotten out, you know, and you know I'm gaming at the local store. I'm wearing a mask, you know. I'm hand sanitizing, you know. I'm I'm staying distant from people and and stuff like that. And I feel safe, you know, in, in doing it. I mean, I completely get the well. We got to get back to normal, you know. I understand that places, you know, businesses have to keep the doors open and all that stuff but for me it's like well damn it can't we have like a mandatory mask thing i feel like that would go a long way i mean maybe i'm wrong i mean i'm certainly no doctor but uh it seems like that would be an easy thing to do and the other thing was like 
you could, like for the big Legion tournament, what if we checked everybody's temperature as they come in? Who knows? I mean, there's there's stuff you can do, but, you know, we've yeah. kind of, we've just... There put, is, I think. I think the problem is we just still don't know enough about how it spreads. I mean, there's still talk about people spreading it when they have no symptoms, and we don't know if that's the case or not. But we've also politicized... One thing, it. yeah, I mean, a Legion mm-hmm. tournament for 10, 20 people is one thing, but a con with hundreds or thousands is entirely different. Oh, yeah, absolutely, so... All right, so, and um, other, you know, less, just as depressing news. We have role-playing YouTube series canceled after live-streaming sexual assault scenario. Uh, This just blew my mind completely and utterly, like, okay. And, look, I've thought about this a lot. Like, you know, hey, if I had played my cards right, you know, 10, 15 years ago, what a big, you know, YouTube star I'd be, or, you know, whatever. But then again, it's like, you know, also, it's like, eh, you run the chance of, no, I'd I'd blow that stuff up by accidentally doing this, or whatever, that I thought was funny, or normal, or stupid, and I just cannot imagine, you know, somebody doing this, this dumb stuff. If either of you guys ever heard of Role Plays Far Verona? Any any nope. of this? No. Me neither, but you know, I don't actually follow any of these actual play podcasts or live streams or whatever. And apparently this is a long running series. It uses the stars without number rule set, which honestly sounds cool. I'm like, wow, I would, you know, kinda wanna listen to this. It uh it's got ninety episodes as of this podcast with two hundred and fifty thousand on demand views. And uh, and apparently in their thing they decided to toss in some sexual assault as drama and wow I, I mean I just cannot imagine who would have thought this is a good idea that it was like you know hey this is let's do this and you know blah 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 this would be awesome this would be great we'll all make a lot of money you know doing this Ugh. but you so know, yeah the the PC in question here is named Johnny but I don't they Johnny is not gendered, but the play the player is a female. Okay. From the picture that I'm seeing here, um, but I don't know if Johnny was in fact male or female. But I mean, you know, it it makes it a little less gross if it was a dude. If if the if the character was a was a, a male. It said the Farberona group was led by game master Adam Coble, an award-winning game designer and co-creator of the popular Dungeon World tabletop RPG system. And players included blah, 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 blah. And um, it said involved Eastman's character, and the Eastman is... So that's a that's a girl in the, in the oh, video yeah. there. That's the one in the middle there. Yeah, Johnny Collins was played by... Who is that? Something Eastman. El- Elspeth Eastman. I don't know who that okay. is. But I don't know what the gender of Johnny Collins, the, the PC, was. Okay. And, uh, yeah. And I don't know. It's just really weird that you would think that, like, hey, this is a cool thing to do. Like, look, I would love to be a part of some kind of, you know, roleplay thing like this. But, you know, just for something funny? 
But then, of course, mm-hmm. you get you get into that kind of thing where, like, well, maybe somebody thinks that sexual assault is funny or, you know, whatever, and decides to be an edgelord and whatever in there. But I don't know. It seems like... Well, even if that's the case, though, because it, I have never played in a game where we've dealt with any of that. I have no desire to. But if it's a group of teenage boys sitting around in their basement playing one thing, it's inappropriate, but it's not necessarily hurting anyone. But if you're doing this on YouTube, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, hey, because guys. I'm going to make money from this. <laughs> it's like, hey, guys, I'm going to completely blow up our spot here. And, you know, we're going to lose all our money, you know, uh, from the channel and all our Patreon subscriptions, all that stuff. And, yeah, we'll just blow this up right here. Boom. Oh, God. Well, so to the uh, to the, the GM's credit, it seems like he's owning it for sure and trying to maybe uh, fix it. Well, yeah, I guess it, you know. And you wonder, like, did he honestly come to some kind of conclusion or was it because of the backlash, you know, with it? Because mm, that can yeah. affect, like, future sales. Like, if he's the guy that did Dungeon World... And it's like, exactly. well, yeah. It becomes, yeah, I mean, I don't know what Dungeon World, I don't know who their publisher is or what their structure is or anything, but I wouldn't be surprised at all to see that company say, no, he's not <laughs> a part of us anymore. Yeah. Because they got to separate themselves from him. Yeah. But, yeah, it seems like this is happening a lot, at least monthly, if not weekly. Speaking of... Which brings us to... Yes. Matt... Matt McElroy accused of harassment and grooming another in a string of Onyx Pass staffers to be accused. All right, what so, is what is Onyx Pass? What do they do? I'm not entirely sure. They might do uh, what Lamentations of the Flame Princess. No, that's that's their own thing. Um, Onyx Path does sound familiar. That is going to be. As I like Google this. Yeah, Yeah, World of Darkness. Oh my god. World of Darkness has been plagued, (laughs) completely plagued by sexual harassment complaints, you know, since it came out. And yeah, and of course, that is like the, I don't know, the fourth, fifth, sixth, whatever edition of it. I just remember it from like second edition. And being, uh, uh, LARPing was like a huge thing. It was. Uh, going to conventions in New Orleans and Vampire the Masquerade was enormous mm-hmm. in New Orleans, Louisiana at the time, and and very sexual subject matter. Uh, yeah, there was there was it was a very kind of sexual subject matter and and stuff like that. And whenever they kind of rebooted it, you know, they they're still having a gosh a lot of problems with this. Mm-hmm. They also do Exalted and Scion are the only things. I recognize. Oh yeah, they came from beneath the sea. I know that because that was a uh, Kickstarter that I did not back. So, hmm. so yeah. Apparently, this guy, he was a Onyx Path freelancer and a current RPG industry professional. See, that's kind of the weird thing. Is yeah, freelancer and RPG professional. I mean that that can, can mean a whole lot of things depending on. That could be a very tenuous connection to any specific company. It's like, yes, maybe he wrote the rules for this game, whatever. 
but you know, and if you're if you're trying to cancel this guy, it may be that he it was just a one time payment. Like he doesn't have like you know royalties or whatever. And you, you know you get this with like artists and and whatnot. I know for sure. So it's yeah. I mean it, it would be different if he like owned the company Onyx Path, you know, or, or whatever. But he was just kind of a freelancer. But this is kind of a apparently a ongoing thing over there with Onyx, Onyx Path. So there you go. Uh, gosh, it's it's I don't know. It's becoming a big thing. I mean, the the thing is, is like with electronic media and stuff like that. If you're creeping on some person via like text message or Twitter DMs or whatever. I mean, come on, this stuff exists forever. You know, it's it's somebody can literally screenshot this and, you know, there you go. Then they go and post it and then you're having to do these fake apologies. You know, these apologies that you're just sorry that you got caught. And uh yeah. Uh it's yeah, I don't know. It's it's really, really odd to me that it's become very prevalent in board game, I'm sorry, in tabletop gaming, but more on the role-playing end of it than actual tabletop, you know. I don't think there's been a miniature thing done, and there's just been a few board gaming, but yeah, it's been really, really heavy into role-playing. So, for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. So, there you go. Uh, the next thing we had was Battletech State of the Game as of June 2020. And I kind of wanted to just toss this on here, and just because it it just annoys me that all right, Catalyst Games has the rights to BattleTech, and they continually let stuff go out of print, and I think that's ridiculous. I would much rather someone who had money and had the capability of keeping the stuff in print to have the uh, license. Basically, what this is, and you'll see it linked in the show notes, is like, hey, we finally decided to reprint a bunch of different, our core books that should be in print always. So, there you go. Oh, and we have this Kickstarter that I've been talking against since it actually happened. Uh, you know, never mind the fact that this was like an enormous two and a half million dollar Kickstarter. Starter. It's fucking late. Like I said it would be. And, um, <laughs> you know, and yeah, I'll probably buy this shit from Miniature Market before you ever get it delivered. So, there you go. Whatever. <laughs> uh, it just annoys me, because I'm a long-time fan of this. I utterly hate the way Randall and the rest of McCatalyst have, have done with the game. And I just really wish somebody else, Tops, would sell the thing to someone else. Sell it to me. Let me buy it. I'll do a Kickstarter where I can be like, you know, I need $3 million so I can buy the Battletech Kickstarter, uh, buy the license from um, Tops, and there you go. So, anyway. So, the next thing we had was we've got some moderator issues at MetaBoard Games. Uh, did, I, I must have. Put, yes! Sorry, I did put this on here. This is a guy that stepped down on the uh, MetaBoard game subreddit. And the reason why is he said, I don't think it's a difficult decision to ban people who are openly racist and other subs. We regular skin profiles, watch checking participation, blah, blah, blah. And 
yeah, it is, they had a potential shift in focus based on recent comments and the way the Reddit's mod structure works. And the top mod who owns the sub is no longer willing to work under it because there's no room for change. So, it's just interesting. Look, I'll tell you this, when it all kind of kicked off with the, uh, the Black Lives Matter protesters and demonstrators and, and whatnot a good what was that about a month ago I, th mm -hmm. I think when the protests really started up yeah yeah it was about a month ago yeah brianna taylor and george floyd was yeah maybe a little over a month ago okay. at this point it's just been interesting to me to see in various facebook groups and subreddits and stuff like that like people's more or less true colors because, uh, look, there is a, uh, I belong to, like, you know, Mississippi is small, population small, and there is, like, one single otaku Facebook group. It's, like, the oldest one. It's It's got probably close to a 1,000 members, whatever. There just isn't a lot of otakus in Mississippi. Anyway, so uh, it, it came out, somebody posted... If you're starting to see this in just various groups or whatever that are just like, hey, they'll just do a post that's like, hey, Black Lives Matter, whatever. And there was some pushback against the post. <clears throat> and along pops the moderator, and he's like, look, I started this group, and I'm black. So, and if you don't agree, you know, agree with this, you guys are gone. So, it's just been really, really interesting to me that you're starting to see kind of lines drawn here and there. I mean, by and large, geeks are pretty accepting of people of different genders, sexual identities, whatever. And so it makes sense to me that they would be supportive of these kind of, you know, like Black Lives Matter and, and whatnot. And uh, it's just been interesting to me to see kind of the occasional pushback from people that are like, no, 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 I'm conservative and I don't believe this. Like, really? It's been really crazy because I belong to a lot of different uh, punk folk, uh, punk groups, and they're like, and people are like, no, you really can't be conservative and like punk music. That's like literally, it, yeah, it says that somewhere. It it literally <laughs> is against the rules. <laughs> it's in every fucking punk punk song. It's just the way it is. So yeah, like uh, was it Paul Ryan? Uh, Ryan talked about his favorite group was like Rage Against the Machine. And people are like, you are the machine. People are raging against. <laughs> you know, eh, it's just been interesting. So, I don't know. It's you're you're starting to see a lot of politics, which is great. I mean, honestly, these are young folks. These are kids. You know, these are you should, you you know, it shouldn't be like, oh no, no politics here, buddy. No, it shouldn't be that way. It's like this is the kind of thing you should pay attention to. Pay attention to people that you admire, you respect, and whatever, and how they react to stuff, and then decide, like, well, that guy, turns out, was, like, super racist, so maybe I shouldn't, you know, buy his game or whatever anymore. So, there you go. It's just interesting to me <laughs> how things are going, so I thought I'd just kind of toss that on there. And, uh, yeah, it's just kind of a little revolution going on over at uh, Reddit's board games. And I guess the last thing we had, speaking of racism and magic, was um, this was really, really fascinating. That uh, And this is old news. I know we haven't done anything in like three weeks. But Wizards of the Coast, back in on June 10th, decided to changing some alt cards. 
uh, changing the art on some cards and no longer reprinting these different ones that are that could be considered racist or culturally offensive. And uh, there are, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. There are seven different ones. And if you actually look at these, and you can, you know, Google them, you know, like uh, in prison, if you just like Google, like in prison magic card, and uh, you can look at the art and kind of judge for yourself. If you, so yeah. I'm looking for stone throwing devils. Okay. Is that with the uh, people on the ramparts? Let's see, stone throwing devils, stone. There's, there's purple devils on the ramparts throwing stones off the. Throw stone throwing devils magic card. Let's click on this, and I love how you go to Scryfall and it goes. This card does not meet magic community standards. It may per perpetuate racism, contain harmful stereotypes, or depict a sensitive real world event. View anyway. So you click on that, and uh, yeah, that is the one. So I guess they were supposed to be um, kind of uh, savage natives, is what it's supposed to be. You well, know, aren't they devils depicting there? Okay. I guess well they were devils, but they're depicted as like savage like natives instead of you know kind of thing. So well, those guys look like the same type of creature that's on the imprisoned card, which the imprisoned card really looks like a black guy that has a poorly shot photoshopped alien on his head yeah okay i gotta find that one yeah the imprisoned one is yeah his his skin is is uh, is very dark brown and yeah it's yeah shoot it's very kind of like a gimp kind of thing okay so imprison magic together yep and all these links in the show notes you can take a look at it i'm i'm getting there and like the Pradesh gypsies, you know, gypsies is is become like a, oh. a slur nowadays. Yeah, that's. What is he wearing? Like an iron mask? Yeah, that's okay. what it looks like. And if you look at like um like invoke prejudice, they're a bunch of guys in pointy hats and robes. You know that? Eh, yeah, that that's pretty. Yeah. Okay. Well. So yeah. They'll have to make so, another card that, that fits what the that same means bill. Is that the value of these cards just went way up. I mean, yeah. that's that's that was my first thing. It's like <laughs> when it comes when it comes down to magic cards, is like, well, all right, you can't have this. You we're going to change this. We're going to ban this. Whatever. It, you just increase the value of it. So that's what I would think. But I mean, it, it's it's kind of like this is the way things are. We're starting to. Um, you know, relook at stuff and and whatever, and which uh, I mean, golly, I don't, I just don't get it. Like some people, uh, I know I saw where a Democratic uh, congressman or whatever in California wanted to get rid of a John Wayne statue. You know, whatever, and people just get all they just immediately get mad. Like why? And it's like, well, why don't you honestly take a look at like what kind of person this person was? You know, I'm. Like, mm -hmm. uh, people are like, why, why are they getting rid of uh, Columbus statues? It's like, well, the guy kind of enslaved and raped his way across the Caribbean. That's, that's why. I'm sorry you didn't get taught that, you know, in your history class, but it, it is the truth. It, it is what happened, and so that's why. 
And it's not because of some kind of liberal blah, 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 whatever. It's just, yeah, people are just getting woke to it. So. Uh, our original sin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, eh, there you go. Anyway. So, uh, I was looking on eBay here. Invoke Prejudice. Yes. Uh, there was one that sold in Canada for $335. Jeez Louise. See, I wonder if it's like... I know, like, with Magic, there are, like, rare cards, there's uncommon cards. I wonder if it was if it was already a, a rare card. I don't know. Well, so, yeah, it's uh, one for $435. Wow, okay. One for $542. And look, I, I firmly believe instead of investing in the stock market, you should buy uh, vintage Magic cards. <laughs> Yep. That's, but I'm just a stupid podcaster. I am not a financial wizard. So there you go. So anyway, I guess uh, that brings us to the end of the show. We've uh, yeah, we've done pretty good. Run through here and um, yeah, Richard. Who do, who should I seek out for an inter- interview? Was it Mark Simonich? Yeah, sure. I'd love to talk to him. Okay, but yeah, I think that's who you mentioned earlier. So yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll try. Yeah, he's got the Solar Forty Three game coming out, which. Uh, is, is going to be, I think he said that's part of a new trilogy too. So, yeah, I'll try, you know, it, it's always hit or miss, you know, when we call, we message these guys to interview, you know, a lot of them are like, what's a podcast (laughs) 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 or, you know, and, uh, so it's a thing or, or they're like, why would you want to talk to me or whatever? I don't know. So we'll try. We haven't done an interview in a while. It's always, (laughs) always fun to do. And uh, yeah. you have to get into our van, put this hood on, and yeah, get into yeah. the van. It's like, well, first... I saw some people on Twitter were, uh, you know, Dan Carlin. His his latest series is about the uh, the Pacific War, and then we were talking about Empire of the Sun earlier. And some people on Twitter were trying to put uh, Mark Herman and Dan Harmon together to have them do some sort of podcast or interview or something. And that'd be fascinating. I'd love to hear those two oh, talk. Oh, holy shit! I would, I would absolutely, I would pay for that Patreon. Absolutely. Yeah. Herman, who is that? He's the game designer, a lot of games, but Empire of the Sun, the one I talked about earlier. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, yeah. So Dan Herman had a podcast called Whiting Wongs that he did with a uh, uh, an Asian colleague, and they kind of they talked about race a lot. Wait, Dan oh. Dan Harmon? Yeah. Is that what you said? No, I said Mark Herman and Dan Mark- Carlin. Dan Carlin. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, the guy that does hardcore history. Dan okay. Dan Harmon is the guy that did Community and Rick and Morty, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I. Which <laughs> totally okay, okay. derailed. Okay, to, to totally derail things, it it has been fascinating to me. Okay, Community, the TV show, has mm-hmm. made it to Netflix, and all of a sudden, all these people are like, "Oh my God, this is the greatest thing ever!" Have you heard of this show called Community? I'm like, "Yeah, motherfucker, I watched it when it came out. It literally is the greatest nerd show ever. It's mm-hmm. a million times better than The Big Bang Theory." And uh, yeah, so if you have not watched it, head on over there, check it out. It is utterly fantastic. The only episodes I've seen, I've seen all the D and D episodes. Yeah, and I heard something about they pulled that episode. Oh, did they? Well, there's like two or three, I think. Well, you know, the one where I think Chang is in blackface. and um, I don't remember that, but could Oh, yeah, he's a drow. He's he's, he's a drow. Oh. And uh, because What's-Her-Name walks in 
I can, uh, can think of her actress, but I cannot think of her name. And then, Brit- Britta? No, 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 no. Uh, Shirley. Shirley walks in oh, okay, and yeah. looks at him and goes, are we going to talk about this hate crime? <laughs> yeah. Oh, holy shit. That, that is a fantastic show. Utterly fantastic. And, uh, yeah, highly recommend it. You should check it out. So, anyway. Also, I heard Dark Season 3 came out this weekend, but I honestly need to rewatch season one and two so I can figure out what's going on because it's not only is it a complex uh, story it's in German so there you go that makes it double complex dark what is that dark it is a sci-fi TV show on Netflix okay and it's, I will, it's, it's I done, will seek it out it's done in German so it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a German show and okay. it's it's great I loved it I loved the first one but when the second one came out, I had to rewatch the first season before I watched the second season, so I would know what was going on. It's one of those types of shows. Mm-hmm. But and uh, season three is the last season, and uh, yeah, just came out. So there you go. Anyway, okay. So all right, so we're going to interview um, the guy that did Rick and Morty. Oh boy, wouldn't that be good? And um, and Dan Harmon. So sorry, Dan. That that was him, and then Dan Carlin. Wouldn't that be yep. good? And I need mm-hmm. I need to actually watch, uh, listen to that episode of Supernova in the East, the last one, because I didn't. And uh, there you go. So we'll get Mark Simonich too. So there you go. So uh, coming soon, all that, and then Richard is going to teach us Operation Mercury. Yeah, sounds like we got our work cut out for us. Yes, better get better get to it. So. so- I would like to challenge everybody to aspire to be the person that your dog thinks you are. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's absolutely good. And be the parent you needed as a child. Ha! Yeah. There you go. Showing up. All right, good night. Good night, night, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.